yeah, just buckle your seatbelts for a really, really busy week. 190 S&P 500 companies reporting earnings, uh, plus uh, that that big uh, GDP number. And by the way, jobless claims, which picked up last week for the first time in 16 weeks, will be looking for, hopefully, uh, some improvement there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here and Jeff Bookbinder on the line. Jeff, Regis Philbin passed away. Um, I saw where he holds the Guinness World Records for 17,000 hours on TV. I mean, we get to do, I do TV once in a while, you do live events. There's a, that's a lot of time to mess up. What's the biggest mess up you've ever done live, you know? Oh, wow. Um, you didn't well, see yeah, this coming, I, so you keep it on your I toes. Do, since, I don't do, uh, since I don't do TV, yeah. uh, I have fewer opportunities to, to mess up. I mean, I guess it's just the, the standard, you know, forget to mute your computer and you get the echo yeah. or you get the dog barking. I've been on video calls where my daughter comes in and uh, what do you call it? Flash bomb, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's about as bad as... Uh, I think it's gotten for me, thankfully. Yeah, but I do the TV stuff more. I remember there was a time, I'm going to say ballpark 2010, 2011, 2012, before I came to LPL. I was on Fox uh, Fox Business. And I remember there were, because back then we used the methodology of kind of being a contrarian. I saw about the uh, analysts, how the analysts were like bearish, this particular stock, I guess, and we were bullish. And I said, we go opposite the analysts. And this Fox anchor goes, you go opposite your own analysts. And I didn't hear the word own. I go, Oh yeah, absolutely. All the time. Kind of like that. And he just starts laughing. And I remember thinking, what's he laughing about? And then I did watch the replay later where I'm like, Oh yeah, we go opposite our own analysts all the time. And it's great. <laughs> so that was probably my biggest mistake. It was an honest one, but that's the key about a uh, live TV. So obviously Re Re Regis was is sorely missed. And I just did a quick Google search for a Regis quote. This one's awesome, Jeff. I'm involved in the stock market, which is fun and sometimes very painful. Doesn't that sum up investing and maybe 2020 uh, in a nutshell? But obviously, um, our thoughts thoughts go out to Regis. We, we lost a great one. Um, but obviously, he 17,000 hours on TV. He was in all of our lives and families, and we, uh, we appreciate it. So, Jeff, let's get into things. Uh, this week on the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to take a look at some of the recent economic data, which is starting to weaken a little bit. And what does that mean? Gold, the yellow metal of gold, is making all-time highs as we speak. Why is that happening? Can it keep going? And what does that one mean and tell us? And this week is probably one of the most Busy, news-heavy weeks I think we've had in a very, very long time. Obviously, corona and COVID-19 dominated those headlines. But in terms of economic and macro data that's coming out this week, there's a lot to uh, talk about. So, Jeff, this week's weekly market commentary, you put it together. We titled it, got it right in front of me here, Stalling Economic Recovery May Slow Stock Market Rally. Take it away for a few minutes and what you, what you wrote this week's weekly market commentary, but also some high level, you know, what, what do you see in the economy over the last few weeks that has you a little bit worried? Yeah, I mean, at, at, at the risk of sounding too bearish, um, we're just pointing out here that as, uh, you know, these COVID-19 outbreaks have occurred in some of these hot spots, um, we have seen the real-time indicators of economic activity pull back. <clears throat> so there's some of these are mobility-related. So you've got things like you know, GPS map requests, uh, number of commuters in some of the largest cities in the country. Uh, you have um, 
checkpoint data at, from the TSA, number of people going through airports. Uh, you have numbers, diners at restaurants. That That's kind of an obvious one, an easy one to understand, right? I mean, because some, some bars have closed in certain places like Texas, right? Uh, electricity consumption has pulled back. A number of these measures of economic activity, some of the most timely uh, measures have suggested we're pausing or maybe pulling back a little bit. It makes sense. You know, people are, you know, not only, you know, choosing not to go out as much in some of these places, you know, and these are some big states, California, Florida, Texas, uh, but um, they're also, you know, seeing some more restrictions in certain areas in terms of business closures. So th this is no surprise, probably not, um, you know, we're not breaking any major news here. But, um, you know, the point is that the stock market's probably going to follow the economic recovery, and we're likely to take a pause on, on both measures here. So we, we continue to believe stocks are maybe a little bit ahead of themselves in the short term, uh, and that maybe over the next, uh, you know, month or two, we could see a little bit more volatility around this reopening. Uh, good points there. I mean, let's not forget just last week, we saw existing home sales up a record 21%. Also, new home sales up 14%, which is a 13-year high. So we have seen clearly some of the headline data uh, has been very impressive, so that housing data specifically. But under the surface, you know, the initial claims, initial jobless claims, 15 weeks in a row of decreasing number, it, it has been stubbornly high. It's barely been going down the last month or so. It also popped higher a little bit uh, last week. I guess it technically would have been two weeks ago, but the data from last week. But then what I like, Jeff, is the New York Fed. They do that weekly economic index, which is a 10, 10 indicators that the Fed looks at, or the New York Fed, I should say, looks at that kind of gives a real-time economic uh, data piece. And sure enough, that went down 11 weeks in a row and ticked higher last week, somewhat similar to the initial claims data, you could say. And that actually 11 weeks ties the all-time longest streak of that number improving um, with late 2009. So I had to go down eventually. Uh, but, you know, let's see here. I mean, the open table, the eating, it makes sense. The passengers, uh, Apple Mobility, all those things make a lot of sense to me to have a little break. I mean, are you worried, though, that this could spiral into a recession or is this just kind of something can't go up forever? What, what do you think? Oh, it's, it's more the latter. Uh, the, the country has a strong will to reopen. And, you know, we have seen uh, the COVID data improve a little bit here over the last week. Uh, which is good. We we know how to beat this thing. We've certainly had tremendous success in uh, in the Northeast, coming down from those huge peaks in April. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, it's just taking a little bit more time than perhaps the uh, stock market reflected. So no, we're, we're certainly not expecting a double dip recession. Uh, it's just uh, you know really a call to be patient, not be surprised if stocks bump along here a little bit uh, over the next month or two after what was you know, pretty much uh, a straight line up in uh, April, May, and, and even into June. Right. And like you said, a straight line up off of pretty much some of the lowest economic data points we've ever seen in our country's history. So that initial bounce makes sense. But we laid it out recently in our mid-year outlook where we said the economic recovery would probably not so much be a V, but more of that swoosh sign or square root sign where the initial bounce off the bottom is the easy part. But it's going to be kind of hard going forward. And some of that's potentially playing out. You know, something that really hasn't played out this year, I don't think as much because 2020 is unlike just about any year we've ever seen. But seasonality, it does no one favors the next couple of months. 
August and September historically are two of the weak-ish months from an equity point of view. Um, during election years, that's the case as well. We've got put-to-call ratios, not getting too geeky here, but there's a lot of optimism after the rally we've seen. It makes sense there's some optimism. But Jeff, you know, the thing that happened last week that I think got most people's attention is tech, which has been doing great, healthcare, which has been doing great. We're two of the weaker groups last week, and we've been talking, it feels like every week, growth versus value. Um, but you know, if, if tech takes a well-deserved break, will the market fall apart? Or do you think other groups can kind of take the baton? What's your feeling? As again, and take note, the troublesome late summer months are on the horizon. If we're going to go higher, we probably need more participation from the rest of the market, right? Mm -hmm. Beyond tech, beyond the big internet names. Uh, and to do that, we, we need better news on COVID-19. We need uh, an acceleration in the reopening process, right? So it's hard to say whether we're going to get that. But, um, you know, point we make in the weekly market commentary this week is that the, the bar for further gains has been raised, right? You know, when you're at 2,400 on the S&P, which we were at in late March, uh, yeah. a lot of bad news was priced in already. And uh, just less bad was enough to move us sharply higher. <clears throat> you fast forward today, you know, over 3,200 on the S&P 500, uh, the, the, a lot more optimism is priced in, frankly. There are reasons to be optimistic, right? Vaccines progress has been tremendous thus far. We're treating COVID-19 much more effectively uh, in hospital settings. Uh, and, you know, as we've talked about, the recovery over the last few months has been really strong. Uh, but uh, just going to get a little bit tougher from here. We still think stocks beat bonds over the second half of the year, uh, but uh, not without some bumps for stocks uh, in the interim. Yeah, you speaking of bumps, I mean, we talked about this. So we're recording this Monday morning. Google just came out and said they're going to tell employees to stay home or work from home, I should say, until at least the summer of 2021. So a year from now, give or take. So that's uh, you mentioned those driving numbers and Apple mobility numbers. There's probably more companies that are going to be doing that. Um, people staying home. If, if it's working, you know, what's the old saying? If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Is that how it goes? I think that, that's, how it that's goes, right. right? That's yeah. Right. So, hey, you know, Google stock price. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. A lot of people are, are going to be away from the office for a year, even mm -hmm. if we beat COVID-19 in early 2021. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so that's that. But you mentioned, you know, the fight against COVID uh, just this week. Moderna is supposed to start phase three of their vaccine. They're going to give it to 30,000 people. This is one of the more promising vaccines. Obviously, it's been it's being speed rushed through, um, you know, the WHO said, I guess it was late last week, that there are 25 different vaccines in clinical trials. So this, I guess, might make it 26, if my math is right. Um, so the, clearly, what's the old Wayne Gretzky quote? You know, you miss all the shots, or you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. We have a lot of shots, no pun intended, with the vaccine, a lot of shots with uh, COVID-19. And clearly, the market is optimistic about that. But again, when people are staying home and companies are saying stay home maybe for another year, that might throw a wrinkle in the whole idea of a V-shaped recovery. But Jeff, that's kind of part two of this. The V-shaped recovery, the economy, look at gold. Gold, as we speak, is up over $1,900 an ounce, making new all-time highs. I mean, you know, there's multiple things. The dollar's been weak. We've talked about that. Concerns with China, you know, just the money printing, the Fed balance sheet expansion, um, you know, the concern over COVID-19. There's a lot of reasons. Uh, negative, I mean, I forget the exact number, 15 or $16 trillion worth of negative global uh, sovereign debt around the globe right now, a lot, I guess we'll say. There's a lot of reasons that gold should have been going up, and it is. it has been. 
but gold is now at all-time highs above 2011. Do you think this um, this bull market in gold is what we'll call it has legs, or what are you what are you looking for in the yellow metal here? Yellow metal here. Yeah, we think there's more upside to come. Uh, the environment that's favorable for growth for gold right now is not going to change anytime soon. I mean, we hope it does, right? We hope we you know, solve the crisis and, and the stock market's off to the races, uh, but certainly less less likely. We're probably going to get a continued low interest rate environment. We think the dollar can continue to go lower. Certainly our debt deficit situation um, mm-hmm. is not providing any reason for the dollar to rebound. Um, so, uh, you know, those are two big, big factors. And then, you know, until the election passes, and maybe even after that, we're still going to have U.S.-China tensions, right? And that has certainly uh, caused a little bit of a pickup in, in interest for gold. So um, there are really um, four or five drivers for gold, we think. So, you know, we've liked it since late last summer, and, and you know, we haven't considered uh, taking that positive recommendation off. No, that's a good point. I think we've, we've probably talked about gold on and off, but we did the we looked on August 21st of last year in a uh, – paper that goes out for our advisors, we we pointed out why we turned bullish on gold. And we've been in that camp ever since. Now, I will say that contrarian in me, I'm seeing all over the place in the media about the dollar going lower. I'm getting people asking me, can the dollar crash, which obviously would be potentially positive for gold. It doesn't feel as lonely anymore. It doesn't absolutely feel as lonely as silver. Silver was underperforming gold by nearly a um, 50-year lows just a couple weeks ago. Silver had one of its best weeks of all time last week, up over 15%. It had a 17% weekly gain off of the March, uh, to March lows we had earlier this year. What does that mean? Those are the two best weekly gains for silver going back to 1987. So gold, gold's doing one thing, but silver, in my opinion, Jeff's a little different. It's a little more of an industrial metal, not so much a precious metal. What do you think's happening with silver? Because that's got everyone's attention, even maybe more than gold, because the incredible moves it's had the past uh, well, six days or so. Yeah, well, it, silver is kind of a hybrid of a precious metal and an industrial metal. So, you know, there's there are two signs, right? Two signals from, uh, from civil, silver, I would say. Number one is, the global economy is recovering, led by China. Certainly, China, a big consumer of metals, right? We're seeing that in copper too, mm-hmm. which has rebounded nicely off off the uh, the lows earlier this year. Uh, and then we're also getting kind of, you know, leveraged exposure to gold, right? <clears throat> Silver typically exaggerates moves in in gold, and so right. uh, we're certainly seeing uh, the precious metal half of silver uh, rally as as well. So a uh, uh, Definitely positive economic signal from the industrial metal side. You know, the precious metal piece of it certainly, um, uh, you know, as we alluded to, is, is probably going to remain, uh, you know, with these tailwinds of a falling dollar and, uh, and low interest rates and an uncertain economic environment. Yeah, you know, speaking of that lower dollar, our friends are Strategus Research Partners, maybe about a week ago or so, looked at all the previous times we've had a weak dollar going back, you know, 20 or 30 years. They found some of the best groups, and this isn't shocking, but it's nice to see a confirmation. Emerging markets, growth, and cyclicals all tend to outperform in a weak-ish dollar environment. Those are some of the groups that if you listen again to our recent uh, mid-year outlook we just released, we like those groups. And I've said before, I like those groups because I think it's a play on potentially a weak-ish dollar. 
And um, that, that's just nice to confirm it. But Jeff, let's finish this discussion up with the inflation, maybe deflation, what's going on, uh, a discussion. Last week, CPI came in hotter than expected, came in up 0.6%. Doesn't sound like a lot. Then you realize that headline number was the largest monthly increase in inflation since August of 2012. I look at things like tips, um, inflation-protected treasuries. They're near all-time highs. You look at the um, real yield on the 10-year, so adjusted for inflation, near all-time lows. And you got gold making new highs. It seems to me somebody's betting on sniffing out, we'll say, higher inflation and then we just had a decent, a decent, uh, stronger than expected inflation number. Is inflation coming 2021, 2022 that might be out of control, you think? Or what's your take there? Uh, no, uh, we're not worried about inflation at all. The, I mean, certainly higher commodity prices coming off of the lows. I mean, we had a negative $37 oil price not long ago, right? <laughs> it, seems like a, it seems like 10 years ago. <laughs> it yes. does seem yeah. like a long time ago, but... Uh, you know, seeing uh, a big move in oil prices off of that number uh, is talk about low hanging fruit. Uh, there it is. So, uh, no, we're still barely over 1% annual inflation. Based on the CPI, we like to take out food and energy prices, which are volatile, especially in this environment. Mm -hmm. uh, so, X food and energy, we're only up 1.2% uh, year over year, well below the Fed's 2% target. And, uh, you know, they've even talked about letting inflation run hotter than their 2% target. So we are a long, long way off uh, from, uh, from a 2% inflation number or a, an inflation problem. Yeah, there have been a lot of economists who for 10 years have been saying we're going to have inflation uh, due to all the money printing and some other things taking place. But I said it before, pick up your cell phone. You can order just about anything you want in the world. It's the ultimate deflation <laughs> mechanism, if you will. Um, you know, I, all the time I go outside and see what my wife ordered lately. And it's like, oh, this came from China, you know, this, this found on eBay. It was the cheapest place you could go. So there are some bigger picture things that say uh, inflation might have a little bit of trouble heating up, but but at the same time, gold at all-time highs, we're going to continue to watch it very, very closely. Jeff, um, we're going to go to the last thing, which is this week. A lot of big data points, but before I do, I want to give a Volvo update. It's a nightmare. Uh, you guys have enjoyed my pain with my car. My car for seven weeks was getting worked on. There was a leak in the sunroof. It fried the computer. Everything apparently was fixed. I go pick the car up last week, I think last Monday, actually, after we recorded this call. And I turned the car on. Sure enough, there's an error. There's an error at the headlights. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I show the guys, oh, just drive it for a week and bring it back. Saturday, I open up the back of the car, ton of water in the car again. So clearly, whatever they fixed didn't fix the leak. There's still tons of water in the car. It just won't end. It will never, ever end. So I am just... um. I don't even know what to say anymore, but I, 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 I'm tempted just to just take the car and sell it and get it, just get something else. But we'll see. I'm going to give it one more try at the dealership here this week, but um, I don't know. And again, you've got a Volvo and you like it, right, Jeff? I want to get both sides of the story because I don't like Volvo. <laughs> yeah, our, ours is uh, a number of years older than yours. So yeah, we've been, we've been lucky. Um, based on what you've told me here, Ryan, I'd say cut your losses, try to move on if, if yeah. you can. Uh, but you know, Perhaps the best news is you, you've given people a great reason to tune in again next week right, <laughs> to get the, the continued uh, update on the Volvo saga. <laughs> yeah. If you don't care about the everything we're going to talk about this week, the Fed, GDP, um, earnings, comment, tune in next week for my Volvo update. It'll be there. So let's get to next week. Or I'm sorry, this week, Jeff, for this week. Uh, like I said, there's earnings. The Fed and GDP are three of the big things we're watching. You're the earnings guru. I, I Actually, guru, I don't know about the word guru. We'll call you earnings expert because guru kind of has a negative of, um, 
connotation. I don't want you to have that. But earnings, it seems to me you're coming in better than the lowered expectations. Totally what we expected. What do you think about earnings so far with about a quarter of the companies reported? Yeah, really strong upside surprises, but and we're still tracking to down 40% plus year over year. So right. there's, nothing, there's nothing good about a 40% decline in earnings. But uh, you know, typically we see maybe 4 to 5% upside surprises on average. We're getting 11 this quarter so far. That's really good. Um, and the, uh, the percentage of companies beating on the top and bottom line is above normal. So we're, we're off to a good start relative to the expectations. Uh, but um, it, it's clearly uh, tough. We've also, you know, we talk about guidance, right? A lot of companies last quarter pulled their mm -hmm. guidance for 2020, which makes a lot of sense. I think over 180 companies uh, did that. This quarter, uh, it, we're getting a little bit more uh, guidance than we got last quarter, at least based on the number of companies that have are reported. And actually, the of the companies that have given us guidance, it's been a little bit less negative uh, than it has been historically, and a little bit less negative than I would have expected. And that certainly translated over into higher estimates. If you look at consensus estimates from analysts, uh, just over the next over the last couple of weeks, they've risen by about 1%, which is really impressive. Normally in earnings season, estimates fall. So perhaps um, analysts cut numbers a bit too much, and now we're starting to see uh, some of those uh, reductions get, get rolled back. Yeah, and I want to build on that because uh, you did a call with their advisors last week and you pointed out the forward 2020 estimates aren't just increasing in the U.S. They're increasing in the emerging markets and uh, Europe and developed markets. So this is a almost a global phenomenon where everyone cut significantly and now things are starting uh, to, to trend the right way. But Jeff, we've only got a couple of minutes. There's two more things to discuss here. The first one being the Fed. I mean, we've got a Fed decision on Wednesday. My take is it's probably going to be pretty quiet. Um, you know, we don't expect the Fed to cut. We don't expect the Fed to hike. It's all about kind of what they say about the economy and potential future policy. It feels to me like the last couple of times I've seen Jerome Powell speak, he's said, Congress, this one's on you. I've done a lot. This one's on you. We know that new fiscal plan is likely uh, coming. We haven't even talked about that yet. Maybe we'll focus more on that next week because we haven't quite seen the layout of the Republican plan yet or the GOP plan yet. But Jeff, what do you think about the um, Wednesday's Fed decision or interest rate decision? Uh, what are you looking for? Yeah, we're going to get um, more cautious commentary about the U.S. economy. That won't be a surprise uh, to anybody. I think the only possible surprise we could get is maybe more color on yield curve control or mm. yield curve targeting, right? The Fed, they control their short-term rate, but they don't target specific levels for the 10-year yield or any other yields anywhere along the maturity curve, right? So there'd been a lot of speculation that they would look at this uh, as another tool in their kit. We're not necessarily expecting that to happen, but they may comment on it. They'll be they'll be asked about it um, uh, right. for sure. Beyond that, it'll be probably largely uh, uninteresting, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Let's wrap things up with a, a real downer. Uh, the second quarter GDP is supposed to come in approximately down 35%, which will be the worst GDP print of likely anyone's lifetime who's listening to this podcast. Um, like most data, it might come in a little bit more than expected. But Jeff, we did a call this morning with our advisors, and you mentioned there's a wide net for where this number could come in. Kind of tell us a little bit more about the GDP number coming out on Thursday morning. Yeah, the range of forecasts is something like 20 percentage points wide, it's, it's, it's really hard to believe. Um, you know, consensus is for roughly 35% decline in GDP 
in the U.S. annualized. So it's roughly an 8% um, quarter over quarter decline. Now, remember, uh, the majority of economic data over the past couple of months has exceeded expectations, right? right? So if we had to guess, we'd say the number will be better rather than worse, just based on the you know, broad mosaic of, of economic uh, metrics that we've seen uh, recently. But it, it's, it's really hard to call um, at this point. Perhaps the most important thing to keep in mind is once we get past this, we can start looking more at the recovery. And after we get a big decline in Q2, we're probably going to see a surge in Q3 as the reopening uh, continues. And, um, you know, hopefully something close to 20% to the upside after we do this possibly down 30. Which is interesting because um, Dave Portnoy interviewed the president last week and the president pointed out the next GDP number, so that'd be the third quarter, it's coming out like right before the election. So we likely will see a pretty strong number right ahead of the election. So that'll be uh, lots of stuff we're going to talk about as we get closer to that election. Uh, but Jeff, we've hit the end of the road in this week's LPL Market Signals podcast. Any final words from you? And then I'll bring us home. I look forward to hearing about the Volvo next week. <laughs> uh, and, and otherwise, uh, yeah, just buckle your seatbelts for a really, really busy week. 190 S&P 500 companies reporting earnings, uh, plus uh, that, that big uh, GDP number. And by the way, jobless claims, which picked up last week for the first time in 16 weeks, we'll be looking for, hopefully, uh, some improvement there. Absolutely. So thank you again to everyone that continues to listen to this podcast, LPL Market Signals podcast. We greatly appreciate it. We've recently started posting this to YouTube as well. And we've had some pretty good traction for just a couple of weeks posting this uh, podcast to our YouTube channel. So it's this LPL Research, LPL Research's YouTube uh, channel. So everyone have a great week. I, my week kind of depends on the, how this Volvo drama goes. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be bad. Whatever. I'll give you the update next week. So thanks, Jeff, for being here this week. Thanks, everyone, for your continued listenership. And we'll see everyone next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC, insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. 
not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.